0: Marcus rang the bell, laughter and clinking glasses wafted through the double doors that opened onto a wide brick path to a swimming pool curved like a grand piano at the far end. A crowd too large to count was scattered around it in knots of fours and fives. A hundred, two hundred people maybe, shiny tuxedos, sparkling diamonds, ropes of pearls, patent leather shoes— Marcus gaped at a clutch of women dancing the black bottom. Their short hair, high hemlines, and cigarettes were a far cry from the Pennsylvania Dutch girls he'd grown up with. Six days, three trains, a bus, and two streetcars later, the sting of his father's last words still jabbed at Marcus's heart. You get out of my town and get as far as you can go, and don't come back. On the night train to Chicago, he'd stared into the darkness and wondered where to go. 8152 Sunset Boulevard was the only address outside of McKeesport he knew, so when his train pulled into Chicago, he took the next one heading west. There wasn't a Pickford Curl in sight at this party. It was all crisp bangs, bright rouge and red lipstick, ivory cigarette holders, and cream bow ties on outrageous three-inch heels. Oriental butlers circulated with silver cocktail trays, and virtually every girl had a martini in her hand. So much for seven years of prohibition, there was a lively, frantic quality to this crowd Marcus had never witnessed before. Everyone seemed to be having such a riot that he had to wonder what was so bad about booze if this was the result? A troop of musicians, decked out like Spanish matadors, made their way to the pool and lined up at the far end. They brought their Continental spin on Ain't She Sweet to a close and started counting backwards from ten. When they shouted one, the trumpeter blew a long note and paper lanterns in orange, blue, green, and red strung throughout the maple trees lit up, transforming the garden into a fairy-tale wonderland with their gentle glow. The crowd sighed and clapped. It looks like the set of Camille, thought Marcus, where Nazimova wore that shimmering cloak with the white camellias. How luminous she'd been, falling in love with Valentino. You look a little lost, it took Marcus a moment to realize he was staring into the eyes of Francis X. Bushman. Marcus had seen Ben-Hur twelve times when it came to McKeesport. He would thought Bushman was stupendously hateful as Masala, the villain. Tonight, he wore a tuxedo that looked twice as expensive as Marcus's entire wardrobe. His first movie star. I, uh... The words dried up on Marcus's tongue like August dirt. Bushman peered down at Marcus's cardboard suitcase, and his eyes lit up. Good gravy! You're here to check in! Bushman lifted his hand to his mouth. Hey, Brophy! The actor's voice carried easily over the commotion. A wide-faced man with a Cheshire Cat smile turned around and raised his eyebrows. Bushman grabbed Marcus's suitcase out of his hand and lifted it high. You have a guest! Brophy cut through the crowd with the eagerness of a groundhog in February. Is that right, son? You want to check in to the hotel? Marcus scanned the crowd. He couldn't see Ala Nazimova anywhere. This is 8152 Sunset Boulevard, isn't it? Sure is. Marcus felt stupid asking if Madame Nazimova still lived there. "'This is a hotel, you big nincompoop,' he told himself. "'Clearly she isn't here anymore. I guess I do need a room,' he conceded. Brophy stepped up onto the diving board and let out a whistle that slashed through the crowd and stopped the band. "'Everybody,' Brophy announced. "'I have an exciting announcement to make.' I would like to introduce you all to a most important person." He pulled Marcus up alongside him on the diving board, and out of the side of his mouth murmured, "'What's your name, kid?' "'Marcus Adler.' "'Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to present the Garden of Allah Hotel's very first guest, Mr. Marcus Adler, Esquire.'